What difference can one organization make in a global pandemic? It is so special because you really do hear kids say things that melt your heart. Wow, this is what I've dreamed of my entire life was having new clothes or I've never even been in a store before. So it means a lot to us to get that, not just from the parents, but from the kids, the smiles on their faces, the excitement and getting to pick out their own new clothing. We're living in uncertain times, surrounded by chaos, fear, even outrage. But a new world is emerging, putting forth beams of hope, healing, community, and recovery. Welcome to Luminaries in the Dark, hopeful stories about people pivoting their life and their work to rise above chaos and help those in need. I'm your host, Bruce Bracken. Nobody wants to wear their poverty and the Assistance League of Seattle sets out to provide the new clothing a child needs to help give them the self-esteem and empowerment to reach their full potential. But with the current crisis at hand, the Assistance League had to quickly evolve with the new needs of their community. Teresa Roberts and Carrie Slavin, President and Past President of the Assistance League of Seattle, are here to talk to us about that evolution. Hi, Teresa and Carrie. Welcome to the show. Teresa, you're the current president of Assistance League of Seattle, and Carrie, you're the past president and current volunteer. I know that there's also a bit of family history involved with you both in the Assistance League of Seattle. Tell me a little bit about yourselves, and then tell us a bit about the Assistance League. My name's Teresa Roberts, and I have been a member of the Assistance League of Seattle for 19 years. And the family history you're speaking about is my mother, who's been a member of Assistance League for 44 years. And this is Carrie Slavin. I uh, actually am a member of Assistance League of Seattle because of Teresa's family as well. Her sister is a dear friend of mine and recruited me to become a member over 17 years ago. As I mentioned, my mother has been a member for 44 years. So I kind of grew up with the Assistance League. And several years ago, actually when I was in my 30s, my mother was the president and decided that she needed to bring in a younger group of volunteers to kind of pass the torch eventually. And so she and other members recruited their kids to start joining. And that's where Carrie and I started to get involved as what we were known as was a young professional group. So it was a group of us that were in our 30s at the time and joined and found a way to contribute to the organization. Eventually, that grew, and we have been with the organization for many years now in many leadership roles. Wonderful. And and tell me a bit about the Assistance League. What does it do? Who does it serve? and, And what are some of its programs? The Assistance League of Seattle was founded in 1962 as part of a national organization. We are the local chapter of the Assistance League, which has been around for 100 years. Our local chapter has been open now for 58 years, and we are a 100% volunteer-driven nonprofit organization that removes barriers to education for at-risk, disadvantaged students of all ages by giving them hope and inspiration for a brighter tomorrow. We do that through three different philanthropic programs. Our most prominent program is called Operation School Bell. And through that program, we provide new school clothing to students who face economic hardships, homelessness, or are otherwise considered at risk. This last year, we clothed over 3,200 children in the Seattle area with brand new clothing. 
So that's our flagship program. We also provide an enrichment scholarship program in which we award students in junior high and high school with summer scholarships so that they can attend a summer camp of their choice. And our third program is called Financial Aid for Education, in which we support a diverse group of students in public colleges in King County with full tuition scholarships, books, and one-on-one mentoring. One of the great programs we have is the Assistines of Seattle, which is a group of students that are junior high through high school, and the Team Teen program that they work to help teens in Seattle Public Schools, mainly that are unaccompanied teens. So that program involves up to 100 students that are junior high students who work to volunteer and give back to their community. So if people have teens out there in Seattle that are looking for volunteer opportunities, it's a great way for the kids to get involved. There's leadership positions, there's fundraising positions, there are lots of volunteer opportunities for these teens. So that's another opportunity for families to get involved. We've actually had several members that have come on board because their teens joined first. So it can go both directions where the teens, the member, and then the parent joins as a result. So Carrie and I both have assist teens. So we both have teenage children that are involved. And I actually have one that's about to graduate from college and is joining as a full member. So get your family involved. I like your concept of passing the torch. It's a really great way of parents and children all getting involved. I'm sure uh, community plays a very important role in the tasks that you do in the programs and services that you offer. With there being different chapters across the nation, how do you discover you know, what the unique needs are for the community? How do you get involved with the community? Throughout the country, there's one unique, one program that all Assistance League chapters embrace, and that is Operation School Bell. The program might look different in every city that Assistance League is in. In Seattle, we bring students into the store so that they can have their own unique shopping experience, and they are able to pick out the clothing that they want with their families. Oftentimes, this is the first time these students have ever had new clothes. So it's a great experience for them to decide to pick out what they want, whether that is they need warm coats or new t-shirts. Sometimes that student really would like a pair of Nike shoes. Whatever it is, they're able to pick it out for themselves and go home. And one, one of the great things about this program is we've found that students perform better in school when they feel good about themselves. So new clothing has proven to be one of those ways that make children feel better about themselves. So we've had continuous feedback and input from school counselors and teachers that have shown us that students really are performing better when they feel good and after they come back from these shopping experiences. The other philanthropic programs are chapter to chapter. So it's meeting the unique needs in your community. So in our community, one of the things that we found was that there are a group of people who don't qualify for scholarships for one reason or another, whether they are part of the illegal immigrants that come in and are trying to make a new life for themselves, or perhaps when they graduated from high school and 
tried to move on to community college, for one reason or another, they failed. But they come back years later and they really want to succeed, but they no longer qualify for financial aid from the city or from the state. So that's when the Assistance League has been able to step in and help these students to get the education that they're looking for in the form of an AA degree. And we have found huge success. We have one, one-on-one mentoring with those students, and we require them to maintain a 3.0 grade point average. And we've had story after story where they go on to higher education. In fact, just in the last couple of weeks, I received an email from a student who had gone on from the Assistance League program where he received his AA. He went to the University of Washington and he had just graduated with a degree in engineering. And his letter said he was going to donate his first paycheck back to the Assistance League of Seattle because he credits us for having gotten him to where he is today. Yeah, we love that program because we really feel like it's the program that can really stop the cycle of poverty and just give them that last push to completing their degree and getting out in the workforce. What a phenomenal program. I mean, that is so cool. How many students per year do you help and serve? Each year, it can be a little bit different. One year, we may support 26 students. The next, it may be 15. So I think Last year, we helped 16 students, and it's through public colleges in King County. So it's not just Seattle-based. So it's any kind of public college, whether it be Bellevue College, Seattle College, or trade school, whatever that student is looking for. But typically, we support 20 to 30 students per year. That's a financial aid for education program. Our Operation School Bell program, we have supported over 3,100 students this year. And our summer scholarship program for middle school and high schoolers, we typically support plus or minus 60 students. And in a normal year, in a typical year, what kind of events and plans do you schedule for students or maybe even for the parents? Our biggest events come through Operation School Bell, and we have clothing events in October, and we do that again in March. In October, we'll have anywhere from 12 to 15 shopping nights where students will come into the stores. We have worked in Target stores in Northgate and West Seattle, as well as JCPenney's down in South Center, and the students will come in that night. We'll have up to 200 students in one night and their families. And they come into the event, they shop anywhere from 4 to 7.30 or 8 o'clock at night, and they come in and, and pick out their own clothes. At the same time, we'll have about 24 of our Assistance League volunteers or community volunteers that will come in and help with the shopping event, whether they're helping find clothing, they're registering the students, they're checking them out. That's where the additional volunteers come in. I see. And what does the end-to-end shopping experience look like for a student when they go in? All of our students come to us through Seattle Public Schools. They are identified by school counselors or family support workers. And once the students are identified, a note goes home to their families to let them know that this program is available. If they choose to participate, then they are registered in our database and our shopping nights are set up. So they're invited to come on a specific day. They'll come to our registration desk and check in and get a little wristband. And then they will shop throughout the store with their parent or guardian. 
and choose whatever it is they need, um, whether that's a warm coat or shoes that fit or that one special item that is going to make them feel like they fit in at school. They have the opportunity to get any of those things that they need or desire. And we help them throughout the shopping event where we have many volunteers on the floor ready to help. And then as Teresa said, we are there as well at the checkout to make sure that they've spent their full allotted amount. We want to make sure that each student uh, maximizes what they're able to spend at the event. Uh, Upon exit, um, we do have a literacy program as well that is attached to Operation School Bell. And we have a mini library set up where each student um, is able to choose a brand new book at their grade level. We have hundreds of books every night that are set up, brand new books. So each student gets to choose a book or two to leave with as well. And while they are choosing their books, we have exit surveys for the parents. Uh, We are always looking for feedback, uh, how we can make this the best possible experience for our students and their families. And those surveys are really wonderful. They're, um, you know, a chance for us to hear how this is really impacting the families. And I do have a few quotes. And these are really, we could look at these quotes as kind of the fuel that keeps us going. We share these quotes every night with all of our volunteers. After the shopping events are over, our chair people go home and look at all of the surveys and type up the quotes and send them out to our evening's volunteers. So they get immediate feedback as to how impactful this was for the families. So that's really wonderful for us. So I have a couple quotes. Assistance League of Seattle. I want to thank you for this opportunity to shop and to pick out clothes for my daughter. I'm a single mom of five with very limited funds. Now I don't have to sacrifice a bill to make sure that my daughter has clothes. Your program is amazing. This meant the world to us. This amazing program was the first step to slowly getting on our feet after being homeless, and it gives us hope to be able to support ourselves in the future. So these quotes are like gold to us. You know, this is really why we're doing this is to know that these families are really being impacted positively. And so this is the best part. And Bruce, being at these events, you it is so special because you really do hear kids say things that you that that melt your heart. Carrie and I have heard kids say, wow, this is what I've dreamed of my entire life was having new clothes or I've never even been in a store before. I mean, it's things that you can't imagine your own kids saying. So it means a lot to us to get that feedback, not just from the parents, but from the kids, the smiles on their faces, the excitement and getting to pick out their own new clothing. It's a great event. In a typical year, it sounds like you've got a lot going on and a lot of people who are benefiting and being helped. But weirdly, this is not a typical year. COVID-19 has hit everyone very strongly. A lot of people have had to pivot, you know, in this era of stay at home or social distancing measures. The programs sound like they require people to be, to some extent, in close proximity with one another. How has COVID affected the Assistance League? But also, I'm curious, how has COVID affected each of you personally as well? It's a really interesting question. Each of our programs are unique. I think we were lucky that this year, as far as clothing events, we literally had our last event the first week of March, right before everything shut down. 
So we were lucky to be able to finish clothing children for the year. Our enrichment scholarship program has been interesting because that's a summer camp program. And as you know, many of the summer camps have closed. So we have pivoted that one so that we are doing online camps or some are doing family camps where the families, actually the parents might actually go to a camp with the kids. So that's a unique thing, Nothing, something we've never looked at before. Fortunately, the financial aid for education, as we all know, all the students in every school went online. And so those students have been able to continue their education from home. So that one, that one hasn't changed as much. At the same time, we knew that our group of students, our community that we're serving was facing new challenges. And so although Operation School Bell was pretty much wrapped up for the year, we pivoted and created an emergency program in order to find out what our students really needed now. And what the Seattle Public Schools and McKinney-Vento, who we work very closely with, what they told us was that families were scared. Students were scared. They were scared of how were they going to eat? How are they going to pay rent? How are they you know, going to survive when nobody knew back in March, how long is this going to last? We still don't know how long this is going to last. But quickly, our group pivoted our program, created this emergency fund, and were able to donate gift cards to families in our community in order to provide them with the groceries they need so that if we could take that one need off their plate, that was our goal. So we've provided now, I believe, nearly $50,000 in grocery gift cards, either Target, Safeway, Walmart, Fred Meyer. We've been giving all those different kinds of gift cards so that whatever that family needs, if you're close to a Safeway or if you want to order online from a Safeway, that might be the best way for you. Others are closer to a Walmart or they might feel like their dollars stretched a little bit further through Walmart. So we started this gift card program and Seattle Public Schools has really helped us with this and McKinney-Vento. So families are contacting them in desperate need and that's, that's who's receiving our assistance through our gift card program. On a personal note, Carrie and I both have kids, kids who have gone online, kids that have moved home. I have to be honest, I have four children. One had graduated college living in New York, two were in college and one in high school. And I honestly never thought I'd have all four of my children home again for that period of time. So they've now been home since March. And there's that personal side of it that I absolutely love because, you know, family dinners, there's been great things there. But it's also interesting because, you know, reaching out to my my parents who don't live too far, but we can't see them. Or if we do, we're waving through the windows or dropping gro- groceries on their porch. So I think we've all had a little bit of that. Yeah. And I'm a similar situation. I have three children, two in high school and a third grader. So all of a sudden, everybody's home all day long, every day, and I'm homeschooling a third grader. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's been interesting times for everyone. Um, and We're all adapting the best that we can. With all the kids back home, I'm curious, who is getting cabin fever more, you or the kids? <laughs> That's a good question. Great question. I think my kids are, because like I said, I actually love having my kids home because I didn't think that would happen again. So I'm happy to have them <laughs> around, but they're ready to go. <laughs> they're ready to get back out there. 
I think we've gone in waves at my house. Like some days are really great and harmonious and we're all getting along and isn't this fabulous? And then the next day, usually a day when it's cloudy or raining, you know, everybody can't wait for this to be over. So, you know, there's been, there have been their highs and lows for sure. But I think all of us being home and being in these situations, we were really thinking about others in our community and what they might be going through. And that uh, really helped motivate us for our program, our emergency fund program, you know, knowing we've got to help people get food on the table. I know that when COVID hit for me, I ran out to the stores probably a little later than I should have. And I had a really tough time finding the other supplies and necessities during, you know, this sort of pandemic outbreak. I I couldn't find any disinfectant wipes. I couldn't find any disinfectant soap. So, you know, the fact that they had the gift cards and could stock up on and food and normal cleaning supplies, that's great. I'm curious how, like, how did you evolve the gift card program from there to kind of address those issues? Yeah, I was in the same boat. I actually went like a couple weeks where I couldn't find any paper towels. So, you know, we knew everyone was in the same situation and it was kind of luck of the draw. Maybe when you went to the store or the pharmacy, what you may or may not find on any given occasion. So, And we all knew that we were in the same boat there. So we began this family to family care package program to address those other needs beyond food, since we were already providing the grocery gift cards for our families. But we knew everybody needs all of those household items as well. So the family to family care packages program started as a a text string discussion among neighbors and friends about exactly that, about things that we weren't able to find and knowing that, you know, there were a lot of families out there who were in need of some extra help and what could we do? How could we address that? How could we help further? So I talked to Teresa and she was having the exact same feeling, like knowing there's got to be something else that we can do to help other families in our community. So we decided to hop on a call with our family support workers and the McKinney-Vento program head and talk to them about what they were hearing from their families, what their needs were beyond food. And they said, you know, we're hearing a lot of families, they really need basic hygiene supplies and cleaning supplies and toilet paper and paper towels and things of that nature. And they've got these, you know, grocery gift cards and food assistance, but they don't want to spend their food money on, you know, antibacterial spray. You know, that could mean a meal and food is always going to be the priority, but all of these other things are so necessary and everybody needs that. So we had like kind of back and forth with McKinney Vento and family support workers, and we came up with a list of about 15 items. And we reached out to our Assistance League members and just family and friends in our neighborhood. We sent out an email blast and said, hey, we want to do something to help support families in our community. And here's a list of items that everybody, every family can use. And will you please, together with, you know, with your kids and with your families, maybe go to your own stockpile perhaps on your next trip to the grocery or the pharmacy or Costco or your next order from Amazon, choose as many of these items as you can get a hold of. And we knew that 
not every care package was going to look the same. You know, they'd all be a little bit different because like we discussed, you know, you never know what you're going to find when you go to the grocery. And then we also knew that we had uh, people that might have access to certain items like face masks. We had people in our organization who were making face masks. We had someone that had access to disposable gloves. So we knew that we had some different people that might have access to maybe some bulk items. But for the most part, it was just going to be families putting together what they could, you know, from a single trip to the grocery or the pharmacy or, you know, pulling from what they had. So we asked people to create these care packages and we had four drop-off locations. I think all in all, we probably had 200 different individuals or families contribute either one or multiple packages. And we ended up with 325 packages that we were able to send out to families that were distributed via four different schools. And they were passed out by the staff and family support workers at those high need schools. That's incredible. And what time period were you able to get all of this done in? It took us about three weeks to put it all together. And then only about one week, I think once we had a one week period from when we sent our first email to delivery date. So it was a really quick turnaround on the collection. It was, we had just an incredible response. And I think it, you know, it was really a way for people. I think so many people were really wanting to do something, to feel like they can contribute in some tangible way. You know, we all know how important writing checks are and giving money to organizations that are reaching out to individuals. But it's another thing to feel like you are helping another family directly. And that was why we called it the family to family care packages, because we knew, you know, a family was going to give directly to another family and it feels really good. Yeah. And one of the things that I've realized in speaking with a bunch of different guests on the show is that, yeah, it's important to give, to donate, you know, financially or materials and resources. But for most people, the real meaning comes into doing it yourself. Bruce, we even had several people join the organization as a result. In fact, one of my neighbors kept asking, what's going on over there? Because people kept dropping these bags on my front porch. So she ended up coming over and looking in my garage with her grandkids and asking me for a list of items. And then she and her grandkids went and put together some bags and she ended up joining the organization because she didn't realize that we were out there. And she said, I have time. I want to do things like this. I want to be able to help. And so people really do want to get involved and they want to help. It was really fun being able to collect all the packages and for us to see what people had done. We had people who wrote little notes. We had people who decided to include maybe a bag of candy. So, you know, maybe mom was really excited to get antibacterial cleaning spray, but there was a bag of lollipops in there for the kids. So it was really, really cool to see the individual touches that people put into their care packages. In each care package, we put a note and it said family to family care package. This care package was thoughtfully packed for your family from another family who cares. If there is anything you are not able to use, please share it with another family or neighbor. We are all in this together from the Assistance League of Seattle and friends. So it's kind of a nice touch to just say, here's where it comes from. Pass it on if you don't need it. 
I see. So in its current form, it's not an ongoing program. It was a kind of a one-time test batch. It was kind of a test. Yeah. And we do, we definitely want to do it again. We had such great feedback from our community that we definitely want to do this again. We're a little challenged at the moment because Seattle Public Schools are now closed for their summer break. And our distribution points were the schools that were distributing meals to the families daily. So we think we're probably going to have to wait for our next round of care packages until, you know, beginning of September when we have access again to the staff that can help us get these out to the families. We are, however, collecting feedback, and there are some schools that have direct access to their students, and we have had some requests, hope that we would bring them directly to the schools. So we're exploring all opportunities as we move ahead. It sounds like a really great pivot that you all have accomplished in the Seattle chapter of Assistance League. You know, I've heard friends tell me that we're we're never going back to normal. And while I agree that we're never going back to the old normal that we're used to, we will evolve and we'll create a new normal. And I'm wondering how you see the new normal evolving, both for yourselves, your families, as well as the Assistance League itself and then the program that you created. And how do you see the Assistance League helping that new normal evolve? You know, Bruce, that's something that we are looking at right now. We're looking at what will Operation School Bell look like in the fall. Typically, we would have 200 students come into a Target or JCPenney's in one evening, plus 24 volunteers, plus their families. So that's can be, you know, four or 500 people in the store that we're adding. So we're not sure. We don't know what that's going to look like yet. This year, it may be that we are either just providing gift cards so that they can take their kids shopping for clothes, or perhaps they'll put it in a cart online and we'll go in and pay for it. We might allow it to be, you can buy food, you can buy clothing, depending on what you need. I do know though, when we go back to what we talked about at the beginning, our Operation School Bell program is the only program that provides students with new clothing. So ultimately we hope to get back there and we hope that the needs of you know, groceries and those type of things are taken care of by other large organizations that can help and that we can provide that service that no one else is providing. But in the meantime, we'll be looking at what is the new normal and what is it that our families need the most and how can we service them through these programs. So we're not exactly sure what it will look like. We do know that we will reach as many families as we can in the fall, at least as many as we have in the past. And we will do what's best for them. But again, Bruce, we don't, none of us know what the new normal really is going to look like, but I agree. It won't, it won't look like it did in the past. So we're trying to adapt as best we can. Well, the new normal is, feels a little bit scary and we don't know exactly what it's going to look like. I think our organization is really excited for new opportunities and, you know, finding ways, as Teresa said, to adapt to whatever our new normal is going to be. We will be there for our families and we're going to find ways to continue to serve them in our best capacity. We're really actually looking forward to the challenge. The other thing is, you know, when we talked about the enrichment scholarship program, it's like online summer camps. Whoever thought you'd be sending your kids to online summer camps, but at least it's, we're finding new ways to help these kids. We are also working 
on that summer camp program, we work with Mary's Place and Broadview and Solid Ground and different shelters to try and get those kids into an experience they wouldn't otherwise be able to afford. You know, whether it is a camp that they go to or a camp that they do online, we're just looking for new ways to make sure that we can still provide those experiences for for the kids. Yeah. For all of the families out there, especially the children who are also trying to figure out what that new normal is going to look like, do either of you have any thoughts or words that you would like to pass on to them? I would say stay positive and, you know, to know that they're that our community, we have a really strong community and a very supportive community, and we're going to band together to continue to help each other. Someone in our organization spoke with a woman recently that had been able to take advantage of our services, and I wanted to share that with you. She said, you know, we had lost hope. We were getting through one day at a time, and we were so scared of what the future looked like. And the services we received transformed our lives and gave us back self-esteem. We were so blessed to see such goodness in the world and so humbled that this organization would do these things for us. She had lost her car. She had lost all their belongings. They were broke. They didn't know how they were going to survive. And she went on to say that 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 hope that we were able to provide during this time helped her to rebuild their lives, got her back on her feet, gave her hope for the future and this promise that there are good people out there and people that really do want to help. And the end of that story was that she was able to find a job and do what she had to do to make a better life for herself. What an amazing story. I'm so glad that she had the hope to keep the drive going. And I'm sure it's very meaningful for both of you and for all of the other volunteers. For others who want to experience that or just want to help out in the community, how can other folks reach out to you all and become volunteers, become members of the Assistance League of Seattle? Well, if you'd like to learn more about our organization, you can visit our web- website, which is assistanceleague.org backslash Seattle. There's a link on there that you can email us at assistanceleagueofseattle at gmail.com. If you want to just let us know if you'd like to participate in a future family care package or you're interested in learning more about us and about membership. Another great place would be to come and visit our thrift store, which is in Wallingford. We are uh, right across the street, kind of near Molly Moon's, next door to Tilth Restaurant. Our address there is 1415 North 45th Street, Seattle 98103. It's an awesome little thrift store. We call it a little best kept secret in Seattle. We've got men's and women's clothing, housewares, art, all sorts of fun jewelry. So we've got a great selection of things. And our thrift store is really a big support to our program or all three of our programs. We really rely on the community shoppers to help fund our programs through our thrift store. And then the other place would be you can find us on the Microsoft Give site. So we are registered there and we love any inquiries, any contributions, any way you'd like to get involved with our organization. We're really open. We have so many areas to get involved in our organization and there is a niche for everybody. So we really encourage people to check us out and we're excited to hear from people. 
Yeah, that's great. And I I know my colleagues at Microsoft will love to hear about this. I'll turn them on to it and they can uh, jump in and, and help donate as well. Teresa and Carrie, this has been an absolute pleasure. I really appreciate the time you both took to uh, chat with me today. Very inspiring to hear about the Family to Family Care Package Program and everything else that the Assistance League of Seattle is doing for the communities and for the people out there. All of you are doing amazing work and everybody thanks you for it. I thank you for it. And thank you for your time. Thank you, Bruce. We really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. And we do have an amazing group of volunteers. We're lucky to be part of such an amazing organization. Thank you, Bruce. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Take care. It's important during these uncertain times that we do what we can to help light the path through the darkness. I'm your host, Bruce Bracken, for Luminaries in the Dark. Stay safe, stay healthy.